0: Welcome to Anil Arana Live. Recorded live during
1: his missions around the world, these podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit
0: www.hsiveb.org or www.anilarana.com. Good evening. I see a lot of faces I haven't seen in some time, so welcome back. I see a lot of faces I see all the time. Welcome to you too. So happy. So nice to be with you. I am not going to preach to you tonight. I am going to talk to you. Because there are a lot of things in my heart that I want to share with you, and I think there are a lot of things in God's heart that He wants to share with you as well. And we're going to talk, and I hope that you will listen with open minds and open hearts to everything that is spoken this evening. Will you? God has been saying a lot of things to us over the last couple of months, but especially over the last few weeks. And all these things that He has been saying is to a point and to a purpose. And tonight and next week, I believe that we will realize this purpose. What do you imagine this purpose is? I believe it is to do some amazing work for God and part of that work is to rebuild the church that he established a little over 2,000 years ago. Many people have tried to do it over the years. A few years ago there was a man called Francis And he came from a small Italian town of Assisi. And one day he was in the fields and he saw a church, the church of San Damiano that was in ruins. It was dilapidated and it looked like it would collapse at any moment. And he felt something in his spirit calling him to pray in that church, so he went inside and he knelt down. And as he was praying, He looked up at the crucifix and he felt Jesus saying to him, Francis, Francis, repair my church which you can see is in ruins. And he heard the voice say the same message again and the same message again. Now Francis believed that God was asking him to repair the church of San Damiano, so immediately he went about the restoration. But very soon he realized that God was not telling him to, rest- to rebuild the church of San Damiano. The church is in ruins today. You might not see that from where you sit because whenever you walk into a local church, you see that it is packed to capacity. But I travel, I travel around the world and wherever I go, I see churches that are empty. The few people that do come into them are very old people, or very young people, but there is no one between the ages of 15 to 50. A lot of churches have been sold, and I have seen them now converted to gurudwaras. I've seen them converted into nightclubs. And most horribly of all, I've seen some of them converted to places where people worship Satan. Now, This is true even of our country, maybe not the Satan worship, at least not that I'm aware of. But when I travel across India, I find the same thing is happening over there. The churches that once used to be packed are now empty and the only people that can be seen over there are the very old. What can we do to restore the church to the glory that it once had? What can we do to rebuild the ruins that now describe it? What can we do? Now fortunately, the answer lies in scripture where we see one man many, many years ago rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, And I'm going to take you right to that story. But before I get to it, I invite all of you to please stand up and pray with me. Repeat after me. Father God, Father God I, want I want to thank you for the love you have for me. For have for me. I want to thank you, to thank you for, Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ, whom you sent to save me. I want to thank you for the salvation I know now is mine. But Lord, I look around and I see thousands. No, hundreds of thousands. No, millions of people who have lost their way. Lord, I believe You want me to draw them to you and build a church the like of which history has never seen before. So Lord, my heart is open. My mind is alert. Speak to me tonight and change me and the world through me forever. I make this prayer prayer. in Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Praise Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. I'm going to read to you from the first chapter of Nehemiah. He was a guy who lived many, many years ago and he was a pretty influential man who lived in the palace of a king. And this is rather long, but I know that you have developed remarkable patience over the years listening to me. So you should not find this too long. For those of you who have Bibles, open them. For those of you who don't have Bibles, you can either look at the words on the screen, or you can listen to me say them. The words of Nehemiah, son of Akaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that has survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I moaned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying if you are unfaithful I will scatter you among the nations but if you return to me and obey my commands then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord let your year be attentive to the prayer of this year's servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. This, my brothers and my sisters, is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> A little history lesson so you know what's happening over here. There was a man called Nebuchadnezzar who once ruled the ancient Babylonian empire. He was at the time one of the most powerful men in the world and his empire stretched as far as the eye could see. One day about 600 BC he sent his army marching into Jerusalem. They destroyed the city, they ransacked the temple and they took with them a whole lot of prisoners including one person whom I'm sure you recognize his name was Daniel. You know Daniel? Now many times after that, whenever there was an uprising, whenever there was a rebellion, back Nebuchadnezzar would send his army marching into Jerusalem and again they would destroy more of the city and they would ransack more of it until all of Jerusalem was in shambles. Then a Persian king took over. His name was Cyrus. And he allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem and immediately once they were there, they started rebuilding the city. They started rebuilding the temple by rebuilding the temple and then they started rebuilding the city itself. But the walls that surrounded the city could never be rebuilt because whenever they tried to rebuild them, the enemy would come and make sure that the walls fell down so the city always was accessible to the enemy. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Now back in Babylon, there's this man called Nehemiah whom you just heard about and one day when he was sitting comfortably his brother Hanan came to visit him with a few friends So they're making conversation as you can expect and Nehemiah asked Hanan so what's happening in Jerusalem and Hanan told him the walls of the city are broken again and the gates are on fire On hearing This news, Nehemiah broke down and wept. Question I started today's talk by telling you the church is in ruin. I started by telling you churches are not only getting emptier and emptier with every day, they are being sold and transformed into gurudwaras, into pubs and nightclubs, and into satanic places of worship. I am not going to ask you what your hearts felt when you heard this news. I don't see tears in anyone's eyes. But I hope there is at least some pain in your heart. At what you're hearing. Because if you do not have that pain in your heart. The words of God are going to bounce back like a ball thrown on a wall. That is not the purpose of the word of God and that is not why I declare it. So I hope that at least at my talking about pain in your hearts there is a little bit of twinge over there that my God, maybe, maybe the church that is in ruins can be rebuilt. Now now my wonder is what to do. Being moved to compassion is one thing. Letting that compassion, moving you to action is another thing. And Nehemiah wanted to do something. But what is he to do? He's a rich man. He's a cupbearer to the king. He enjoys a lot of favor. Like many of us, he could reach into his wallet and take out some money, maybe a great deal of money and say to Hanan, here, take this and let this be used in the rebuilding of the wall. But says, no, this is not enough. So what did he do? He said, before I take any decision, let me seek the will of my God. So he knelt down and he started praying with fasting, asking God what he should do. And as he was praying, God revealed to him the problem in Jerusalem. God revealed to him the reason why the walls had not been built and had nothing to do with bad administration. It had nothing to do with the misuse of funds. It had nothing to do with the lack of mobilization of the people, even though these things might have contributed to the fact the walls were still in ruins. Nehemiah realized the problem was actually sin. His sin? his family's sin, and his nation's sin. And if you realize what we did over the last two weeks was to address the sins of ourselves, the sins of our families, and today we're going to spend a little time apologizing for the sins not of our nation but of the church because as I was sitting at the back of that contemplating what I was to say I realized the one thing I have never heard any Pope any Bishop any priest confess is the sins the church has committed over the years and there are many times when the world asks the church to apologize and very reluctantly someone will say sorry but I have never ever heard in all these years that I have known God, a single holy person standing in front of God and saying, God, forgive us for the sins, sins of the church. And I'm telling you, the sins the church have committed have been atrocious to the point of murder. And I'm going to come back to that. Then he fasts and he prays. He sits down in sackcloth And then he knows what he's supposed to do. And it is not take money from his pocket and give it to somebody. It is to go to the ruler and ask for permission to go to Jerusalem so that he himself can look after the rebuilding of the walls. Now once again I want to repeat, this is a man of some favor. He's a cupbearer to the king and what a cupbearer is is a guy who tastes the king's wine before the king consumes it to make sure there is no poison in it. Now a man in this position who tastes the king's wine before the king drinks it becomes very close to the king. Why? Because the king trusts him. Whenever he's near the king, because he has to be near the king all the time, because the king is constantly eating and drinking, they develop a rapport, they develop a relationship, they develop a trust. To leave that position, to go to a place where you know only God is saying go to, It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of courage. But Nehemiah feels God calling him. Maybe like Francis heard God calling him. Maybe like hundreds of people over the years have heard God calling them. And he says, I must go. And his king likes Nehemiah so much he can't refuse the guy anything. So he says, you go with my blessings. You go with my permission and I will make sure that you reach Jerusalem without incident. Nehemiah reaches Jerusalem. What happens once he reaches there? He sees everything is in disarray. He makes investigations as any smart person would make and he realizes that several times over the years people have tried to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and nobody has succeeded. Why? Because of politics, internal and external. But Nehemiah says, I'm gonna do this anyway, so he gathers the people together. First he asks them, tries to stir them up, just as I'm stirring you up today, hopefully, Because my purpose is the same purpose that God had for Nehemiah and that is to make sure that you step forward and say, okay, we will rebuild this church from the ruins. I have not heard God speak to me like God spoke to Francis. Neither have you. But I know in everyone's heart, we can hear that call of God here today. And if you can't hear it, like I said, it's a ball going whack, whack, whack against a wall and just coming back. If that is the case, really. I'm telling you, wasting your time. But we're going to return to this later. They start to build the walls of the temple, and of course, the moment they start that, there are there is an uproar because a lot of people don't want the walls built. I don't understand why. Do you? Because I see the same thing happening here in God's kingdom. Whenever anyone tries to do something for the kingdom, there are people who stand in the way. Have you realized that? Sad, but true. We're gonna talk the truth over here, even though the truth is bitter to hear. So anyway, they start building the walls. A lot of people say in the beginning nothing's gonna happen, so they stand over there and they poke fun of these guys and say what are these guys gonna do that centuries of people have not been able to do. Nehemiah is persevering. He continues to build and continues to build and then to the surprise of everybody, the walls start to rise. Now what happens? People inside get alarmed because they're doing something that they themselves couldn't do, so the attacks start from the inside. The enemy from the outside starts to get worried because they say, once the walls go up, we will no longer be able to attack the city. So they started to fight with Nehemiah and his group. Nehemiah refuses to get out, give up. Half the people, he says, you continue building the walls and the other half stand as soldiers at the walls defending it. Nehemiah was one of them, and this is the sign of a true leader. He doesn't say to people, you go and do these things. He stands with them. He works with them. He fights with them. And the walls of Jerusalem that stood in ruins for hundreds of years was completed in just 52 days. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. The man who did it isn't here. But the man who was responsible for it deserves a hand, don't you think? Why am I telling you this story? Because you've been coming here for a long time. Some of you didn't come here for some time, but you've returned. And you've returned on a day when God is talking to you about rebuilding his church. He just showed you how. The first thing you need to do is to pray. And about a week ago, we started a prayer fast for 21 days. Most of the team in the office and a lot of other people around the world are supporting us on this fast where we're seeking God's will for the future. God is saying to us, The problem is sin. Your sin, the sins of your ancestors, and the sins of the church. Someone needs to repent for that. And we already have. Last week and the week before we repented for our sins. And we repented for the sins of our families. And I believe that God has forgiven us. But for some reason, God is not satisfied. For some reason, God says there is something wrong here, something terribly, terribly wrong here. And you know what, he's kind of showing me what is wrong. And what is wrong is that sin continues. I don't understand, or maybe I do. Now today I was gonna talk to you about hell, but I said it'll make a very good Christmas talk, so I'm gonna do it next week. You know, I bet you no one's ever spoken about hell during Christmas time, but I'm one of those crazy guys who's gonna talk about hell next week. So be warned, and if you don't wanna hear the most terrifying talk of your life, don't come. But if you have the courage to come and listen to God's truth, I am telling you something. This Christmas will be the best Christmas you have ever celebrated, and 2018 will be the best year you have ever lived. That is my promise to you. But I'm not going to wait until next week to talk to you about hell because God is saying, talk to them about hell today. Well, not too much. I'll save the major talk for next week. What is hell? Don't answer me. Don't answer me. You think about it and ask yourself what the answer is. What is hell? The Catholic Church defines it as man's eternal separation from God. Okay. What is it? What does it mean to be separated from God? People talk about it being a state. And nobody really concerns themselves about what the reality of hell actually could be. And I want to tell you what the reality is because I think I've discovered what it is. When I was speaking to you last week, I told you it was the most difficult talk I've ever given in my life. And I'm sure a lot of people thought I was talking about how the talk was difficult to give, but it wasn't about giving the talk. The talk was difficult for me to give because I couldn't talk. And here is something I'm going to share with you that I've not shared before, except with a couple of close people. And the fact is this, that every single time I come and give a talk about God to people, I go to war with the devil. And you know what he does to me? I'm just gonna tell you what he did to me last week, which is why the moment the meeting got over, I left here and went home. He tears me to pieces. Now what does that mean? I'm gonna to try to describe it, even though it's very hard to describe something that cannot be described. It is like he's over there, With his claws into me and he is tearing me apart slowly and steadily. He's tearing my soul, he's tearing my heart, he's tearing my body and he's tearing my mind. And very often when I leave here, it is a miracle that I reach home because it is terror on the way to be tormented by demons like that. And last week was so bad, I think I screamed half the way home because it was simply too terrible to be able to withstand. And that I reached home was, at least on this day, truly miraculous. I used to ask God, God, why are you doing this to me? I'm preaching your word. I'm talking to people about you. Why are you letting this happen? And last week it was worse because I was in a state of grace. I'd gone and made the best confession I've made in a long time. I knew there was nothing separating me from the grace of God, and yet there was this thing. And then God said, Remember you spoke about Job? Do you remember I spoke to you about Job last week? How Job was a righteous man, and how God boasted about him. And how the devil came to God and said the only reason that man is holy is because you have a hedge of protection around him. And then God reminded me of Job and how the devil goes to him about me and says, your servant is a very tough guy. He stands over there in front of people and he goes to war with me. But the only reason he's able to talk like that is because you have your hand of protection over him. Take that hand off and see what happens to him. He will curse you. I've never cursed God, not even in the midst of the worst moments of his torture. Even when you have the devil whispering to you, you just say that I'm your Lord and I will finish all this forever. You can continue preaching. You can continue to do whatever you want. It will be without the torture. And I told him to go to hell as I will continue to tell him to go to hell. But I still had a question. And I asked God the question last week and this time he gave me the answer. I said, am I not under your protection?" are we not under your protection? Are we not your children? And we pray to you every time in church to keep temptation away from us and to keep us safe from the devil. Why then are you still allowing him to touch me like this? And then I understood. He wanted to give me a glimpse of hell here. And now I want you to listen to me very carefully. Demons are real. And any of us who has had any experience with the deliverance knows that they are real. Now if these demons can trouble a man of God, a holy man of God, the way they do, Who is under God's protection in a world that is still not entirely the devil's and a world that is still controlled by God? Just think for one moment what it will be like to be in a place Where there is no God or His angels or anyone to protect you and not one or two demons but thousands of demons to come after you constantly every single minute of your life and tear you to shreds over and over and over again. That is hell and that is why God wanted me to see it because He said what you feel over here is not even a fraction of what really happens over there. And then coincidentally, even though there are no coincidences in God's kingdom, a friend of mine invited me to watch a video about people who've had near life experiences, near death experiences, people who've kind of died for a few moments, gone away and come back. And every single one of them is universal in their description of hell and they say it is a place of true terror because there is constant flames. You cannot breathe because the air is so thick. You're constantly thirsty because you cannot even have a drop of water. You cannot do anything over there. And all around you is simply the screams of those who are hurting and devils tearing you to pieces. They take your limbs and they throw them away and then they bring them back and you go hunting for them and try to fix them. But the moment you fix back there, they go tearing it again. And first when I started watching this video, I said, this is... Oh rubbish, this cannot be like that. And then I was reminded of every scriptural verse in the Bible, many of which Jesus himself talks about, where he says, hey, there is only gnashing and grinding of teeth over there. There is only pain and there's only torture. And I said, hey, any way you look at it, This is real, and you know what it did to me? Two things. It made me determined never to sin again, ever, not even a little thing, and I want to talk about little things so that you understand what I mean, and determined to make sure that there is nobody who perishes in hell. Think about someone, anyone you know who's died. I'm sure all of you have lost somebody. Think about them for one minute. Where are they? Where are they? Heaven? Are you sure? Because I'm not. And you know why I'm not sure? Because after being saved, if you continue to live a sinful life, where is salvation? After all these talks you come and listen to, heart-moving, life-changing talks, you go and continue to hurt people, you continue to cheat. You continue to steal. You continue to lie. You continue to have adultery. You continue to fornicate. What salvation is that? And then when you're in hell, crying out to God for mercy and saying, Lord, I worshiped you. I called you Lord. He will say, I am not the Lord of the murderer." I am not the law of the rapist. I am not the law of the thief. I am not the law of the cheater. I am not the law of the fornicator. I am not the law of the adulterer. Which person have you been calling Lord? It isn't me because I am not the law of these people. Tell me you don't fornicate. I am not going to use the colloquial word for it. But you know what I am talking about. if you cheat and steal and lie who are you calling Lord ask yourself that here now he's not your Lord and where are you going if he's not your Lord where is your family going if he's not that Lord where are your friends going If he's not that Lord where are we all headed Scary, no? We spoke about this in the office. Everyone's changed. Everyone's changed. They're all living good lives. You have to remember this. They're all living good lives but they've changed because they realize that you just can't get away with it. And the problem is you can't even say you don't know because when you go there, there is no escape. I would rather shout at you and chew you out and make you afraid here than have you suffer for all eternity in hellfire. I mean, seriously. Having come to know this, you think I can't preach to you about this? think I should preach to you about how good the Christmas season is and how we should all make jolly and make merry? While well, there is eternal hellfire waiting all of us, you really think I should talk about? Forget about it. I have a responsibility for you. And I take the responsibility very seriously because you know what? Nobody goes to hell on my watch. I'm taking the whole blooming lot of you to heaven with me. And we're gonna be there for the rest of eternity. And we don't have to worry about anything for the rest of our lives. But you gotta make sure you get your act together and you better make sure that you remind yourself every moment of the day that hell is a reality and you just might be headed there. So what place does grace have to play in all of this? We sang about grace so beautifully. I will tell you more next week. This was just a teaser, and I might repeat a lot of what I said today, but it's all worth repeating. And I told you it's gonna be a scary talk. It's really, literally, I hope, gonna scare the hell out of you. Okay, but that's a good thing, because then it means that we go to heaven, right? You can smile again now. (laughs) And you can breathe all of those who said, my goodness me, but I'll tell you what, I changed you more in the last 10 minutes than I've changed you in the last 10 months. Funny, no? Funny, no? Isn't that true? Youngstest? Say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I bring out this magazine every month. And for me, artwork is very important. And we've subscribed to a few places where you kind of, you know, you can use their images, and we've paid quite a lot of money. But every now and then, I don't find an image that I want from one of these sites. So what I kind of do is go somewhere where, um, where they're not exactly for free and I've not paid for them and take an image and manipulate them so much that even the original artist would not be able to recognize that it's his image that I've used, right? And I was doing this two days ago and I was thinking nothing of it when I suddenly heard God say, Anil, do you know what you're doing? And stealing Lord yes and I said but Lord no one's going to know you know even the artist will know because it's, it's, it's modified so much I just need something to work with and he said "O'Neill, nobody might know but you know don't you and I said yes Lord and then he said and I know too and that was enough that was enough And it doesn't matter whether anyone can recognize that an image that I've used is theirs or not, I just don't want to steal anymore. And I don't want to lie anymore, not even a little one. And I don't want to hurt anyone anymore. And I don't want to do anything bad anymore. Even if it's kind of, you know, chaltahe, you know what that means? It's not okay. It's not okay. So now we get back to Nehemiah, okay? Nehemiah repents for his sin and he repents for his family's sins because he understands it all passes down and he repents for the sins of the nation. And what I would like to do over here is to repent for the sins of the church because somebody needs to do it. And what I would like to do over here is to invite you, my brothers and sisters, To take part in the greatest restoration the world has ever seen. And to rebuild the church to a glory the like of which God will be proud of. But it will not be a glory that ever existed before because I've been looking at the church history through the years. And I've seen that the only time that the church of Jesus was the church of Jesus was during the time of Jesus and the few hundred years that followed it. And after that it's always been a corrupt church, a church where people went after power, after glory, after money, after fame, went after the things of this world, but not after the things of God. It's not been a church of love. It's not been a church of humility. It's not been a church of peace. It's been a church of self-righteousness instead of a church that invited sinners, Instead of inviting people who need God. Instead of inviting people who are broken. People who are hurting. People like that. And that's what we're going to do. But I can't do it alone. No more than Nehemiah can build the walls of Jerusalem alone. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you. Over here tonight. To step out of those chairs. And to come forward. And to shake my hand. And to say yes I I am with you and we're going to work to build the walls of the church again. Now it is not my hand you will be shaking when you step forward, it will be the hands of Jesus you'll be shaking and what you're doing with that handshake is making a deal with them and saying, yes Lord, count me in because today I heard you telling me to rebuild your church. Now if you cannot do that, sit where you are. Sit where you are and pretend that you're doing something when you truly are not and never will. We have a Protestant pastor called Rick Warren. Have you heard of him? He runs one of the biggest ministries in the world. And he has one principle. Anyone who comes to one of his services has to become a member, a participating member, built, engaged in the building, Of God's kingdom. Otherwise, He says, I have no use for you because you simply can't come over here and receive. You have to come over here and work together. Work together as one. And if we want to see unity in God's church, the only way we can achieve unity is if we're working together to build God's kingdom because then we'll have one heart, we'll have one mind, and we'll have one purpose. And that purpose is to build God's kingdom. And then when we're working together, think think of a building, all right? Think of a church. Think of a physical church. If every single one of us was involved in building that church, imagine you can't do anything if you fight with one another. You can do all things only if you cooperate with one another will so be someone who stirs the mortar and someone else who kind of gets the bricks and someone else who lays it down and someone who does all these things. I don't know about anything about construction, but I'm sure that you know that there is a lot of work involved in it. And then finally it comes up slowly and steadily and eventually you have a beautiful building. And at the end of that building, what do you think you're going to feel? You're going to say, I did that. I built it along with my brothers and my sisters and I'm so grateful to them because if not for them, I would not be able to do anything. So if you don't work towards God's kingdom, what is the purpose? And once again, unfortunately, unfortunately, God is going to ask us the question, You waited for an angel to invite you to do something for me? You had one terrible angel who shouted at you week after week after week, even threatened you with hell and you still didn't listen. What excuses are you going to have? None. Right? I did say I wasn't going to preach to you. I said I was going to talk to you. But what to do? My talking sometimes become preaching. My preaching sometimes become shouting. My shouting sometimes. But I hope you were listening. You are. I'm going to invite the music ministry here and we're going to sing <clears throat> spiritual songs. We're going to give you a couple of minutes in silence where you can kind of talk to God, listen to him and ask him what he wants you to do. And if you feel him moving in your heart, if you feel I'm saying to you, come and be part of this great mission, then step forward. Stand up, come forward, shake my hand, and I will bless you and kiss you and hug you and say thank you on behalf of God, knowing that even while I'm doing that, God is truly blessing you and your family in more ways than one. So here's your time now, my brothers, my sisters. I want 2018 not just to be a year where you're blessed with financial rewards and material success but I want 2018 to be a year when you fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life and His plan and purpose is not to make more money it's not to make more children it's not to build empires and fiefdoms it's to build His kingdom Realize that plan and purpose And understand that when you fulfill God's plan and purpose, there is nothing he will not do for you. Because you're doing what he's asking you to do. So think about this when you step forward too. That here is a chance finally to do something. Now I know a question that you have. I did this in charger too by the way. And everyone in that church came forward. A lot of people say, but I don't know what to do. Don't worry about that, not today. Today is a time just to say yes to God. And then as you come here week after week, hopefully with friends, God will show you what He wants you to do and how to do it. He's been showing me what He wants me to do for 15 years. Trust me when I tell you, He will show you what you need to do as well. All you need to do now is to say yes. Come forward. Come forward. And I promise you, the moment you shake Jesus' hand, boom. He's going to do something wonderful with you. So let's sing. Do that spirit song that he did earlier. Please stand up, everybody. Father God, we want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you for this evening. You never cease to surprise us, Lord. You never cease to surprise me. I've spoken to my brothers about the reality of hell and how, Lord, we all should fear it for the place that it is, terrifying. But Lord, we also believe that you, a God who loves us so much, a God who's so merciful, will not let us go there. And you will try to warn us and warn us and warn us and keep us away from that fiery pit drawing us to you constantly. And today, Lord, we believe that your hand is stretched out saying, come, come and receive life. Come and receive everything that you have sought in life. But come and secure it not only for these few years that you live on this earth, but for all eternity where you will live for me. I have prepared a room for you and it is a glorious room. It is a room where you'll be happy and everything will be provided for you. So you will not want for anything. Think about that. Think about the beauty over here. Such a marvelous place where you can roam through the gardens and the halls and just see wonderful things that will make your spirit soar. You will hear music around you, heavenly music by my own choir. Thousands and thousands and thousands of them who will be singing seemingly just for you. No, this is what I'm calling you to. But you know what? Whatever you give up, for those of you who are giving up, know that I will give a hundredfold, not only in heaven, but also yeah, on earth. I am a person of my promise. I am a person of my word. And when I tell you something, you know you can count on it. Come forward now and accept a hand, my hand that is stretched out towards you. But don't come if you're not ready. Wait for that time. Just pray that that time might And Lord, we pray especially for our families. We pray for our parents. We pray for our spouses. And we pray for our children. And we ask, Lord, don't let them perish. Don't let them perish, Lord. Draw them to you. Draw them to you powerfully, Lord, so that they too become great, mighty proclaimers of your word. We want to thank you for today, Lord, and all that you've done, all that you've said, and all that you're going to continue to do in the. Years to come, Lord, especially in 2018, which we'll lift up to you now. Bless it in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. And next week, Lord, as we come together one more time to listen to your work that is not as terrifying as it is saving, Lord. Give us a spectacular end to this year and a spectacular beginning to the next one, which will be the best one.
1: listening to this coverage. We hope it has blessed you. For more
0: great content, visit our website www.hsiweb.org and kindly consider supporting the work we do. God bless you.